You're listening to the Dietitian Cafe RD2B podcast, brought to you by New Altra. My name is Neve Lilliman and I'm a second year student dietitian. Placement is a really exciting time with so much learning and personal growth. But steep learning curves, moving to new environments and financial pressures can leave students feeling overwhelmed and stressed. To make the most out of our time on placement, protecting our physical and mental health should be high on the priority list. Today, I'm joined by Zunera Awais, a third year student dietitian who is a real advocate for student wellbeing on placement. We'll hear about Zunera's own placement journey and discuss some tips and tricks to protecting your wellbeing on placement. Hi, Zunera. Hi. I'll hand over to you to introduce yourself. Hi, Neve. So, um, my name is Zunera. I'm a third year student dietitian um, and I love all things tennis classical music and I even play the piano so um yeah I'm not just a student dietitian I've got <laughs> loads of other hobbies outside of dietetics oh lovely very busy then mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> lovely well welcome to the podcast Anera and um, thank you so much for joining me today no so um I'm really looking forward to hearing about your placement story um as you've been really open about your your mental health and things like that on social media um and in your BDA blog. So before we get on to that, could you tell me a little bit about your time as a student dietitian? How are you finding it? Yeah, so um, I, I, I'm i loving dietetics. I mean, it's something that I've wanted to do since year 12 when I did work experience, um, shadowing a dietitian for the day. And that was, yeah, such an amazing experience. And that has, um, that sort of made me really eager to become a dietitian in the first place. So for me to now be in my third year, um is yeah I feel like it's it is a dream come true as cringy as that sounds um and I'm yeah I'm loving the course I think it's really merged two things that I'm so um that I really enjoy which is food and just like the human body so for me it's just the perfect um combination of what I enjoy um yeah so I'm loving it Oh, good. It's really good to hear that. I think year 12, it always seems to be quite a common one there. People actually, sometimes they've never heard of dietetics and then they go into year 12 and then it's, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I want to do. I think I was kind of the same at that age as well. Yeah, literally. I mean, I um, started off wanting to do medicine since like year nine. And then my biology teacher actually in year 12, she, she sat me down one day after school and she said, I feel like because she could tell that I was really interested in nutrition and like lifestyle and things like that. She was like, have you ever considered being a dietitian? And I had no idea what a dietitian was. Um, I just thought it'd be, oh, just like advising people to eat healthy, that's it. And um, the more I looked into it, I think I watched a few TED talks about like nutrition and helping reverse different types of diseases. And that really sparked an interest of mine. And then, yeah, after I did that work experience, it really solidified that actually medicine wasn't for me. And this more holistic approach to health is definitely more for me. Yeah, that's a nice story. And it's nice that you were introduced by introduced to the the, you know, the subject by a teacher, really. Because mm-hmm. um, it's not often one that's talked about, is it? You know, talk about midwifery, nursing, physiotherapy. Mm-hmm. And you say dietetics. And I know I remember talking to my teachers about it. And they were like, what's that? <laughs> and, that, you know, so it's nice that a teacher introduced you to it. It would be nice if that happened more often. Definitely. I feel like if she didn't make that first step, I don't think I would have ever gone into this profession. So I I really give her a lot of credit. Oh, that's nice. Um, So what's your favourite thing about being a student dietitian now? Oh, okay. There is so many. It's actually really hard to to narrow it down. I could talk about it for ages. But um, for me, I feel like, as I mentioned before, the, the way that the the holistic approach that is given for the patients it's not just we don't see a patient as their condition we see them as a whole human and we consider things like their environment their support network and even mental health is you know it's it's something that we really um need to take take into account and I think for me I've always loved psychology I did it for a level so being able to use my counseling skills uh, with like um approaching patients with mental health conditions and I love the whole negotiating goals it feels like such a team effort um and it's yeah it's really yeah I've, I've loved the Oskis as well where we've had to we uh, we've been practicing 
um, like patient consultations and mm -hmm. the whole negotiating a care plan, um, which I really enjoyed. Um, also, just being able to talk to people about nutrition and for them to not get bored is something that I was just so pleasantly surprised about because whenever I speak to my friends um, that are not in dietetics, they, they kind of just fizzle out. And I'm just like, yeah, but this, like, if you eat this, it's like all these benefits. And yeah, I think people in my course definitely get it. Um, so it's just so nice. I could talk about food and nutrition for hours and and no one will get sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always say like, um, you wake up, you think about food, you think about breakfast, and then you mm. go and study food, then you have lunch, and then you study yeah. food, and you have dinner, and then you study food again. And it's Literally. just your whole life revolves around food. So yeah. it is, yeah. it's nice, isn't it, when you've got people who share that common interest because often people are like, why are you talking about fibre, Neve? Like, yeah. why are you so enthusiastic about fibre? And I'm like, don't mm -hmm. get it. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so, yeah, it's yeah. um, it's an interesting hobby. It's not even a hobby, is it? It's a job, but, <laughs> but yeah. I suppose for dietetic students, we could say it's a hobby, couldn't we? Yeah, and I feel as though like the role that we have, I think I've realised how powerful it is. Like, mm. it, obviously medicine has its place, but for me, my real, the thing that really made me go into dietetics is actually the role that nutrition can have in managing lots of different medical conditions and even reversing some like diseases and things like that. And I think by learning this, I've learned so much more about physiology and actually how incredibly important having you know, good nutritionists for these different types of diseases and managing them. And yeah, it's just made me even more, um, yeah, even more sort of keen to to learn more with all these different specialities as well out there. There's just an endless amount of things to learn. And that's so exciting. Yeah, it's never ending, isn't it? It's um, yeah. quite an exciting prospect with all these new, I say new specialities or more recognised specialities coming out. And it's quite exciting for the future, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just had my um, pre-seed placement module that finished yesterday. And um, in that module, we learned about MND, like motor neuron disease. And oh, okay. I wouldn't think a specialist dietitian would go into, but um, it's, yeah, it's really fascinating. Yeah, especially when you ask, oh, that was one of my assignments was on a M MND. Um, mm -hmm. and it was 1500 words and I was like, like <laughs> I didn't even know that was a specialism. How am I supposed to write 1500 words on it? And then Suddenly, end up like okay, I've got four thousand. I need to chop a load down. And you're like, oh my gosh, how broad is it? Mm -hmm. Um, you mentioned your sort of pre-placement C, C, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, module, yeah. Um, so you know, you've done a couple of placements now. So mm -hmm. in 2021, you um you did your B placement and you stopped halfway through to do a gap year. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm sure like the decision to stop placement is not an easy one at all. And um, how did that sort of decision come about? What went on? Yeah, so, um, yeah, as you said, I did my placement. Oh, gosh, it's, it feels like ages ago, but it was only just <laughs> under two years ago that I started my B placement. Um, and just to give you a lot of context, because I feel like it just makes things <laughs> make more sense. Um, so actually, I was in my second year when, when COVID happened. I'm sure you know how much it sort of disrupted everything. Um, so my year two was on online theory. I had to um, miss out on my A placement, so my first placement because oh. of COVID. So actually, I going into my placement was for the first time. Um, so it was like 12 weeks solid and I was so excited. We had like a pre-placement module as well just to prep us with the theory side of things. And I was just so excited. I mean... For me, just like moving out to a new place, I was in like a small village in Surrey and I was living in Airbnbs at, at the time um, with an elderly lady and it was just so like cool to see her her lifestyle and um, yeah, just to feel that independence again because after lockdown it was obviously just so exciting to go out anywhere um, and I really enjoyed the countryside in Surrey so that was just like, yes, I'm so happy to be here. Um, and yeah, I think... For me, I definitely on my first week, it kind of, I mean, I had a reality shock, let's just say that when I stepped on, on the hospital wards for the first time, I'd never been to a hospital ward before. And I was not expected to see like patients so close to each other and just like everything was just so open. And obviously it was very noisy in there as well, quite overwhelming. Um, people are rushing around and 
when I first did my um like my first patient consultation I didn't realize how little time I had to spend with the patient so I I thought you know we'd have half an hour to speak to them but no it's literally like a few minutes gather information quickly then most of it was admin writing up notes mm-hmm. gathering notes all of that so I found it like really shocking because it really wasn't what I expected being a dietitian on a ward to be like um and I think from from the beginning I definitely put a lot of pressure on myself to um to I mean get my portfolio like tip top and just to um get I felt, I felt as though I didn't give myself enough time to progress and I yeah again mm-hmm. I just had so much pressure on myself still getting my head around the portfolio which was very overwhelming at the time all these people were oh, with those portfolios yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and trying to find out like who can sign this off and all of that mm-hmm. and I was quite shy at the time to actually ask you know people when I felt as though um, obviously being the youngest in in the team it is it can be quite intimidating as well and uh, just a lot of things that I didn't think I'd ever experience because I came into this so confident with my knowledge but like um, base and things like that but things like imposter syndrome I um, had as well and if no one knows what that is um, it's essentially and um, when you have evidence that you can do something but for some reason you think that you're not able to do it Mm. you feel inadequate not intelligent enough and it just meant that I found it really difficult to speak to the MDT I really doubted my abilities and yeah I think I just wasn't in a confident place at the time and unfortunately um, I also didn't have a good relationship with my supervisor um, especially in the way I was given feedback I felt as though it was quite tactless and I didn't feel comfortable enough to open up to her that I was I was struggling and that just meant I kind of suppressed it all to myself. Um, and the thing is, like living away from family, I, I I think it was it just wasn't possible for me to come home at the time. So I had a I, I felt really lonely as well. And the small little village, I literally felt like an alien there. There was all just elderly people around, and I just yeah, I didn't feel like I I I fit in. Um, so I think just. Things like external factors I didn't think would affect me so much, but it really did. Um, for example, like my family, um, they unfortunately had COVID midway through my placement. And I found that so difficult because I felt like I was going into hospital caring for strangers, but I couldn't even go home and look after them. Yeah. It's really hard when I would call them after after I came back from the hospital and they'd say, you know, they've been really poorly in bed all day. And I just, I know, I, I, sh- I mean, I, I wish I could have been able to sort of distance myself from it, but it was always in my head. And that just made, you know, on top of it, all the pressures of the hospital just made things so much more difficult to focus. Um, so yeah, a lot went on, definitely. Yeah, it sounds pretty, pretty mad. I mean, I think that, that process of moving out and you know be, I mean you're on your own essentially and if you've never properly mm-hmm. moved out before and you haven't got that time after you've, if you've had a bit of a you know busy day on placement or you know experience the things like you said feeling quite overwhelmed mm-hmm. almost it's still on placement when you get back aren't you because you're learning this new life this new placement life you know being on, on your own and um in your Airbnb or whatever so it sounds mm-hmm. quite consuming doesn't it you know it it takes its toll definitely I mean it's just yeah it's one of those things where I'd had to I had to experience it to know what what it was like and I'd Mm. lived in halls my first two years so I thought I'd be okay with uh, moving out but you know living with um an elderly lady is Mm. definitely different to living with friends um and it just meant that I definitely felt more lonely for sure and that just Mm. affected affected me and it's one of those things I couldn't sort of separate it when I was in the hospital it was always on my mind and yeah yeah it's a shame as well about the supervisor you know relationship as well because I suppose ultimately it's kind of it's a personality thing isn't it you know and that you get that anywhere but when it's you and you've got all these other factors influencing how you're feeling just something as simple as not being able to go and talk feeling like you're able to talk to somebody could probably just I feel like I just tip you over the edge a little bit and make it, you know, feel like a really horrible experience, I imagine. It sounds like it's a, a lot of little factors that 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 really affected you for that B placement. Um 
generally speaking, how would you say that that affected your your well being? You know, whether that's mental, physical, emotional. Yeah. So, um, just um, the fact that I was not able to progress as much as I wanted to meant that I was falling behind my portfolio. And when I had my midway review, I was actually told that I wasn't meeting my learning outcomes at the time, and that to me came like such a it was really shocking at the time. Um, but I knew that I was struggling mentally, but I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to express that. I felt as though um, I wasn't able to. And unfortunately, I sort of brushed off my mental health and I thought, okay, whenever I was asked, are you feeling okay? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Like that was just my response, my automatic response. I'm fine. And um, I knew that I, I knew that I was going downhill pretty quickly. I mean, um, when I, um, I was actually given an extra week um, just to extend my placement, just to see if I had, if an extra week would allow me to get back on track. And um, I knew that I, I wanted to do whatever it takes to try and get through it. Um, so that meant, unfortunately, not prioritising my well-being anymore. So I definitely neglected my self-care so much. I um, did things like I, I normally do yoga every morning to get me ready for mm -hmm. the day. And I skipped doing that. And um, I avoided doing things that I enjoyed, like cycling. Um, and I, yeah, even going to sleep, I didn't really have a good sort of sleep routine. My sleep went all mm -hmm. over the place. Um, and I even avoided um, like showering as well. Like it really, I just thought anything to to spend more time doing my portfolio, that would, mm -hmm. that would be worthwhile. But actually I neglected really basic self-care just for me to, you know, to seemingly um meet my learning outcomes and progress and I think that actually was counterintuitive and that made things much more difficult to to get in that right headspace every day I literally go to sleep dreading the next day and um, mm. I just was so so mentally exhausted and it got to the point where I was literally coming home every day and crying and I yeah just dreaded dreaded it and I just I wanted to go but I was just in this bubble that I just couldn't leave yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah it was a real yeah unfortunately it just it went downhill pretty quick yeah no that's really horrible to hear and it you know it's it, it it's that it's quite severe isn't it you know I think people I mean I've expressed nerves about going on placement before I've said oh it's, it's 12 weeks like oh hope it's all okay mm. and people say yeah but it, you know it's 12 weeks it's just 12 weeks mm. um you know it, it will end kind of thing and yeah. I think 12 weeks is a long time yeah 12 weeks is a long time yeah. and it's actually a, a long enough time as you say for things to decline really quickly um mm. so and and you know in in lots of different ways I think we were talking about this at uni actually something you said there you know getting shower or putting all your time into this, into these outcomes or, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We were saying, you know, last term, I mean, we were all quite stressed with this assignment and we were saying, I haven't been swimming. I haven't done my yoga. I haven't been cooking. I haven't been doing the things I like. And it's mm -hmm. always the things that are good for us that we yeah. throw out the window to get the things that let's at this point aren't so good for us mm -hmm. um, to get those done. So it, it's, it's odd how we make that choice. And it, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it is that way, isn't it? it is yeah and and again it's very counterintuitive as well because you think mm. oh that extra 10 minutes I could have been stretching I could have done an extra I don't know few learning outcomes for my portfolio but actually having that 10 minutes might have meant that you were so refreshed that you actually spend less time on it and that you're able yeah. to really sort of disconnect from from the work and relax and therefore start the next day on a on a better foot so it really does go hand in hand yeah yeah I think that's definitely something to take away from this podcast is don't forget your self-care yeah <laughs> um, I'm sure we're talking like, about it later on as well because it's oh yeah like, oh yeah definitely yeah people talk about it a lot but you know not a lot of people practice it um fully so no. yeah no and I think there's different ways you can do it isn't there um I mean in terms of uh you know actually finishing placement was there anything that worried you about about stopping it? You know, how did you kind of overcome any worries that you had about about finishing? Yeah. So um, at the time, I, well, to be honest, I didn't actually know that by stopping placement, I could redo it. So I was really out of the blue because I thought I'd just, I'd just stop it. And I felt so lost. I mean, it was, 
it was one of those really surreal moments when you go for seven weeks of in the hospital every day to then coming out and not knowing what's going to happen. Am I even going to be able to be a dietitian? I really didn't know what the options were. And I doubted at the time, am I mentally strong enough for this role? Um, Am I able to, to be that sort of that, um, to be strong and be resilient? Um, And yeah, I just felt like, what am I going to do now? It was a real, um, I mean, it's it's one of the most surreal feelings when you go from busy to then nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought, am I going to be able to get my reimbursement for my accommodation? Um, 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 Because my, obviously my placement was cut short so I didn't know if I'd be able to get my travel and accommodation back um but never for never at all did I doubt that dietetics was a profession for me and I felt so at peace with my decision to leave and I just knew it wasn't my time now and Mm -hmm. all I was thinking was is there a way that I can I can redo it is there a way that I can um just yeah just take time out and do it again so I was yeah so relieved that I was able to to take a gap year and discuss that all with with the relevant people as well yeah yeah I think that that decision of you know is it the right time for me it's quite hard Mm -hmm. to admit to yourself isn't it because if you're you know wanting to finish uni and graduate and get working but you know deep down that actually this isn't the time that's quite a tough decision actually yes yeah and it's one that I had to just stop tricking myself I was ready Mm. and I had to just be super honest and you know tell my family and they were also like do you know what I'd much rather you become a dietitian you know by having perhaps a longer route but actually coming out so much more stronger and um you know not broken (laughs) than passing your place and coming out completely just sort of yeah just falling apart so I think eventually my parents also um were, were on board with the fact that I mm. took, a, took a gap here because there are so many stereotypes I mean for me I thought you know when people take gap years after a level I thought oh they're not academic or they they don't know what they're doing with their life that's why they're taking a gap year going mm. off traveling that's literally what I think <laughs> the gap year was like just backpacking but there is so yeah. much more that, that we can do. And I'll explore that further on um, what, what I chose to do and why and how it mm-hmm. built me um, and made me completely, completely different person. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, from what you're saying, I'm I'm, I'm getting the idea that you are very, very happy. You made that decision to stop um, yeah. and take a break. Yeah, for sure. And um, in the sort of in the process of taking my gap year, I... Um, well, initially, I really wanted to share my my story about my placement experience because, unfortunately, at the time, all, all, pretty much all my peers at, at uni were um, they, they didn't really share their experience as much, and I felt as though it wasn't really open. Everyone was just in their own little hospital bubbles yeah. and not really sharing. You know, what am I struggling with? What am I enjoying? Mm-hmm. And just meant getting support um, was was quite difficult. And I thought, Do you know what? I don't know who's going to relate to this, but I just really want to share it. Um, so it's something that was done really sort of impulsively. And I mean, I was absolutely overwhelmed with the response that I got. I mean, from, yeah, from that post, I've got probably over, I mean, a, f- a few hundred messages actually from students wow. saying, you know, we're struggling with our mental health. I'm so glad that you've talked about it. They shared like so like such detailed experiences they had, and it was really heart sort of heartwarming to hear that I was being related to. But then also, it was really difficult to read some of the stories I was hearing, and um, even from dietitians who are now so successful, they've been in their specialities for over ten years, were messaging me saying, "Do you know what we redid our B placement? We've redone our." placement and I just thought oh my goodness if all these successful dietitians have also had to take time out and have also had to take a gap year it just it made me feel like do you know what this is for me and it is not my time at the moment and um it, it will become my time later on and that's okay mm. um and that was just so um relieving I think I was just so relieved yeah. it's good that you kind of tapped into that I suppose it almost unknown support network you know you put it on social media and you think oh my gosh there's a support network that I didn't even kind of not 
comprehend but like it was you know much larger and the fact that there's so many shared experiences it's quite um it's quite sad really to hear all of that isn't it and you know it's it's something that definitely needs to change would you say yeah for sure and I think it's just something that needs to be raised that the awareness was just not there before in in my opinion so for me to then hear actually it's it's such a shared experience and Mm. people just need to share it and once once you share it you realize how how much support is out there and what mm. can be done um, to, and I, I'm genuinely, I believe that if I hadn't spoken up about it, I probably would have, um, I don't know, maybe not even considered dietetics anymore because I didn't know that there were so many other avenues of getting there. And yeah, just yeah. the support from from all my my followers and people that didn't follow me that saw it. Oh, I mean, they, they really, they really were there for me at, at the worst. And, and they really brought me back up. So, so, so grateful. Yeah, nice kind of ending, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. The nice start to your gap here is knowing you've got that that support and people are people yeah. are um, stood behind you. Um, so, I mean, as you said, the the experiences that you've mentioned resonate with you know a lot of listeners. We've got student dietitians listening. Um, for those who are curious about the process, what did it practically look like to bring your placement to an end? Like, who did you approach, and what what was the process of finishing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, when I when I had my midway review, I mentioned earlier that I had an extra week, um, and then at the end of that week, I just knew that I was not able to to mentally continue with this. So mm-hmm. during my um, end of week review, I spoke to my placement um, u- university placement facilitator and also my main hospital supervisor, and then I had a I had a meeting with them. And yeah, they basically said, we can see that your mental health is is basically going downhill. And I said, yeah, it has been for weeks. And I kind of just opened it all up. It was there was a lot of tears and I just thought, OK, I, I need to I need to go. And they were like, yep, <laughs> you d- definitely do. Um, and yeah, at that time, I didn't know what was what the future was going to be like, if I could redo it or anything like that. But I just knew I had to I just needed to go. So um I think a few few days later, I had a follow up meeting with my university placement facilitator and also the head of nutrition dietetics at University of Surrey. Um, and they basically told me the options I could have. So I could either transfer to nutrition um, or I could um, go and, and basically, um, I think they call it a temporary withdrawal. So take mm-hmm. a year out or I can leave the course. And immediately I was like, OK, I'm taking a temporary withdrawal. I'm definitely going to come back, redo it. And yeah, that was decision I, I stood by. And I was still able to claim my expenses from my travel and accommodation, which I was so relieved about. Um, but so, yeah, it was a pretty smooth process, I'd say. And the university managed it really, really well. Yeah, that's good. And it's good that you could tap into that support at, at university and, and um, you know, as well as with union work as kind of that that trio to to come to a something that suits you yeah and also they recommended I in my gap year I do a um, a job that will help to grow my resilience and my confidence and they recommended perhaps being a dietetic assistant in a hospital to get more hospital experience um, or do something along those lines so that was what I was originally planning on doing so I applied um, for so many DA jobs and unfortunately I didn't get any of them Um, and I ended up just searching through um, teaching roles and that was mm. something that I never thought I'd ever ever want to go into teaching my dad's a teacher so I was always really put off by teaching I was like no never want to do it <laughs> I want to do something in the in the medical profession um so yeah I remember I applied for a um a role as a teaching assistant in a special educational needs school um in a small little village in sorry a small little town in Surrey as well so um I ended up getting that role fairly quickly literally in the matter of a week um so I think two weeks after I left placement I was in a job um in this new school and let's just say it was a real um it was a real challenge definitely I mean Mm. it was more of a behavior management school which I wasn't aware of and um school for children with autism and ADHD and going going into that I had a lot of stereotypes not gonna lie about people with autism and ADHD and I mean I was able to to really um dismantle those because I le- I 
learned so much more about autism and ADHD and how it's a massive spectrum. And I learned with how to deal with challenging behaviours and I've made such amazing relationships with the students. Um, and I'm hopefully going to be going back in the next few weeks to visit them again because, yeah, they, they as much as they can be challenging, they really have amazing hearts and they're so creative. Mm-hmm. So I learned how to build rapport with the most challenging characters. I even did a mental health first aid training as well. Um, and I, yeah, I'm, I mean, I really wanted to take um, my gap year to do things that I would never normally do and, and do things that would really strengthen my character so for me I but by working the school with challenging personalities um I was able to kind of stand my ground I mean just for a flavor of it I I would literally enter the classroom and I'd get told to f off constantly like oh times a day I've been kicked I've been punched um I've had Islamophobic comments said to me like racist comments and as much as it's it sounds shocking to most people actually the amount of strength that's built in me to yeah, be able yeah. to defend myself and to not take it personally because I had this this habit where I would take feedback or any criticism so personally and I wasn't able to to see it for what it was and you know understand why maybe that's being said so now I know that I'm much more able to if I'm given you know criticism or if I'm given feedback that isn't so positive I'm able to take mm-hmm. that on board and to depersonalize from it so that those challenges at the time and it was it was tough uh, yeah mm. it was really really tough um that yeah that made me so much more yeah just so much more confident in myself and being able to speak up uh, yeah uh, yeah it was amazing and i even had um an opportunity to um do more nutrition side of things in in the, okay. in the school as well so I um, I organised a nutrition week for the school at the end of the summer term. So they had um, some activities like um, trialling different foods and rating them based on their sen- sensory characteristics. Um, okay. we, uh, all the teachers brought in foods from different countries and did like an international food buffet. So the students could, you know, try lots of different uh, cultured foods because mm. in that small town in, in Surrey, there wasn't much diversity. So for me to introduce, you know, lots of different cultures, um, in, in, but in food was just something that I, I was really eager to do, and it seemed to go down really well. And yeah, I've, I've done like a few um, other nutrition things as well in the school. So it wasn't like I took a gap and did nothing to do with mm-hmm. like the nutrition. I still, for some some reason, I was able to uh, contribute it all and to, to mix it all up. So um, yeah. I even learned really random skills like foraging. Um, I learned a lot about cars. A lot of the boys were like they yeah. had they had their special interests, and some of them were cars and trains. So I've learned lots of random things. So I think overall it was a really wholesome gap year. Yeah, real learning curve by the sounds of it. It's about sure. lots of different ways that that resilience and and car knowledge and yeah and, uh, and even, um, yeah exactly and even doing things that I wouldn't normally do like I said yes to so many opportunities like I even ran on the school sports day and I've never run on sports day before <laughs> and I thought you know what it's my gap yeah I'm gonna do whatever I'm yeah just threw myself yeah. into things and um, <laughs> yeah exactly um and at the time um yeah so when I was at the school I, I was really learning a lot more about autism and I noticed that a lot of the students had um a lot of sensory overload in in the classrooms especially when, when they were shouting going about and yeah. um it was yeah just things that I I learned about um traits in autism and it actually made me realize that I have a few of those traits um so I actually went back to um, my university um and had an autism assessment done and turns out that I, I also have autism so for me it was well I didn't just learn about I, I learned so much about myself during my gap mm-hmm. year and if I didn't if I hadn't had gone to the special needs school I wouldn't have noticed that I that I also am neurodiverse and I, it, I, it was just such a massive self-discovery for me. Yeah. It makes so much sense when I look back at my childhood and um, how, how I how I behaved. And it just made, it was just so relieving to know that. Yeah. 
that final piece of my puzzle is finally sort of in place. Yeah. And the benefits of of knowing that and being able to to manage that and knowing the traits that you have and how that may impact the way you work, I imagine will be so much make placement so much a I don't want to say an easier place, but you understand yourself a lot more and then that learning curve becomes a lot easier, I'd imagine. Definitely. Yeah, I learned. Yeah. I mean, I learned so much about how I, what my learning style is, how I like to have feedback. Um, so that just made things so much more easier next time I did did my placement. And I was mm-hmm. able to relay that and express actually what are my difficulties, what are my traits, what are my strengths um, and how how can I be supported? Yeah. Wow, I mean that sounds that sounds like a pretty pretty good gap year, very productive yeah. gap year. Um, yeah. <laughs> lots of you know, lots of learning and, and really sort of building yourself as a person. Um, in terms of your self care on on that gap year, um, we mentioned it a little bit earlier, didn't we? Um, but after you stopped that placement, what did you do to look after yourself and, and support your well being and build it back up again? Yeah, so um, for me, my well-being finally became my priority again. And I thought I need to do something to regain my health. And um, finally, yeah, again, prioritised myself. So I started to um, introduce yoga again into my routine, um, started doing cycling more regularly um, and looking after my skin because I love doing skincare. Um, I even visited my my university friends once they finished their placement and um I yeah just spoke to my best friend more more regularly and told her how I was feeling and she was so shocked that I didn't tell her sooner um so that's something that I um I really wish I did um but yeah just being able to get back into that routine again um by by going to work that made things so much more easier um but yeah self-care definitely is one that I I prioritized again and I could tell my happiness just went just soared um so it's something that I found really really important yeah it comes in different ways doesn't it um I definitely understand what you meant by the skincare one that's one of mine as well nice face mask or you yeah. know buy, buy myself a new serum or something like that mm-hmm. um but the exercise and there's something as simple as a routine um works wonders doesn't it um, yeah. so just anything like that and doing the things you enjoy by the sounds of it Mm-hmm, for sure I mean just it's just like little things as well like making yourself like a nice cup of tea and just mm-hmm. yeah just tiny things that um I did in my in in my day that just added up and made me feel so much more more looked after and especially not being able to go home um because yeah as I mentioned my family had COVID at the time so yeah. doing things for myself um just meant that I was I was looking after myself even though my mum wasn't there to to look mm-hmm. after me so yeah 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 well that that's that's nice and it's nice that that almost taught you to to look after yourself and not I suppose that that become a bit more of an adult I suppose you know it's not you know your parents looking after you it's like you have to look after yourself now um so yeah no that's that's really that's really interesting thank you for sharing that um so last year you wrote a blog for the British Dietetic Association. Um, how did working with them come about? Um, yeah, so it was really, really random. I actually got a, a DM by the um, the BDA student representative at the time, uh, Rima Ribeiro. So she reached out and said um, she was really um, impressed by by my my story and just to. And just the awareness that I was raising about mental health, that was something that really wasn't talked about enough. So she basically asked me to write a blog post and give some tips about how to maintain good mental health during placement. And I was more than happy to to get that written down. And that seemed to have gone down really well. I still get responses um, like nowadays, just talking about how much that's impacted, um, positively impacted students and really set them up to... to hopefully protect you know their mental health yeah quite an exponential effect then isn't it it seems to have you know still be going on even what was it 2021 it's it's good that it's having that lasting effect exactly and just so many opportunities have come out of it so I really wasn't just um yeah I I feel as though I've had yeah so many things that I've brought up because of this and um yeah I'm so grateful yeah 
I mean, in the blog, you include some tips for some mental well-being and just well-being in general um, while students are on placement. Could you share with us what some of those were just generally or? Yeah, sure. So um, for me, I've definitely learned that seeking help when things get tough. Um, when it initially gets tough, it's so important and not when it's at its breaking point. Um, mm. I think that's something that a lot of people think, you know, let's just say I'm OK, I'm OK, I'm OK until you just break. Um, and that's just that's something that I think can be prevented by reaching out earlier on when maybe you start to get feel a bit more anxious or when you feel yourself tense enough or when you feel a bit too much pressure on yourself. Um, so I think that's that's really important. And the hospital has well-being services. A lot of universities have their own centre of well-being. So reaching out to them, if you don't feel comfortable to reach out to your supervisor, or if you do have like a placement buddy um, who tends to be someone that isn't a supervisor, that is, yeah, that they are sort of your your go-tos to go um, when you are um, struggling with, with mental health. So definitely seeking, seeking help um, at the beginning makes things so much more smoother. Um, as, as we mentioned earlier, um, I mean, self-care is non-compromisable and um, it's something that when I came home from the hospital, having doing something that is completely non-hospital related to just to break yourself out of the bubble is so important. Um, yeah, doing things like um, going for a run or doing yoga or um, just having a chat enough, like about nothing to do with dietetics is just such a nice break um, from that. Um, and I'd say um, having imposter syndrome is something that I'm sure most of us will experience. But just remember that because you are a student, they don't expect you to be, uh, uh, you know, completely knowledgeable in everything. Um, they they will understand that you're still trying to learn. You have your whole career to keep learning. And I think it's important to separate fact from feeling as well, because you might feel like you're not knowledgeable enough. But actually, the fact is you've done two or three years of all this theory and you have all this knowledge. So just being able to just, yeah, just to know that you are much more knowledgeable than you think. Um, and to, yeah, to bring that confidence in MDT meetings, bring that confidence in your end of week reviews. Um, I think that's something that's, yeah, really, really important. Um, and also something that I think is so important as well is to not isolate yourself, um, to, yeah. to check in with your course mates, check in with how they're doing. Um, if you can, visit home uh, every weekend or every few weekends just, just to know that there is other support around you. Um, and yeah, I think when mental health goes downhill, a lot of us isolate ourselves and just think, you know, we'll kind of hide away but actually kind of it'll perpetuate it um, even more. Um, and another another point um, is to not compare your experiences to other people's because yeah. a lot of us, if we are on placement with a peer, we might think, oh, they're progressing more than us or oh, they're meeting all these learning outcomes and I'm not. And that comparison makes it feel like a competition and it, it feels mm -hmm. it puts so much pressure to keep going and keep going but actually everyone's learning is different so you are going to yeah. have times when you are behind on a certain skill that someone else is progressing on so it's yeah just important to keep on your own track and to um, just understand that your way of learning and your path is going to be different um, and if you need extra time that's okay as well like it's not it's not something to be ashamed about um and if you do, yeah, if you do need a few extra weeks or if you need a few days off, that is, that's absolutely fine. And if, when you think about it, if, when you're in a 12 week placement, 20 week placement, it's not, it's not normal to not have a day off in, no, no, it's for not. For example, and you'll see so many dietitians will have a day off. They'll have, a, you know, a week off. So that's okay to have a day off here and there. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you said about, um, I mean th that as well, but the um about oh I lost my train of thought now. Sorry. Um I'll start that again. Um I like what you were saying about people learning at different paces. Um I think it goes back to everyone's placement is different, isn't it? Every every trust does things differently, every trust has different patients, um, and whether it's community or, or acute or or anything like that, 
So to remember that, that just because someone's achieved that skill doesn't mean you won't. It's just that placement is at the moment. Exactly. And you'll have strengths that um, will, you know, will are something that we need to also celebrate because I think on placement it's so um, common to just focus on what you need to what you need to learn or what you need to do better but actually we don't step and step back and think what have, what have I done really well in this consultation and we tend to really hyper focus on what we need to improve because we're constantly being given feedback um constantly being given different smart goals to work on so it's something that we really need to we need to have in the back of our minds actually that we there are so many strengths that we have as well yeah yeah it's not all negative is it yeah exactly <laughs> Um, you spoke a little bit about sort of um, the resources and support network that you use. Um, do you know of anything else that's available to students whilst they're on placement? Yeah, so um, most universities are really open about students talk, talking to them about if they're struggling and if they need extra support. Um, I know that um, with my university, I can speak to my facilitator and she's always always there. I can just pop her an email during my placement and she'll she'll you know reply promptly um so yeah just knowing that university is still there even though you're not going to university they are still there for you so definitely reach out to your placement facilitators um and also during um the, the pre-placement modules um i mean i had a um a talk about mental health by the central well-being team and they really helped us prepare for um for the challenges of placement so i was just so grateful for that for that wellbeing session. Um, also, there, I did have a, a placement on. Uh, I did have a buddy on placement, um, so she was one of the um, the admin ladies, and I was able to just offload any um, any sort of stresses I had. And because she wasn't um, directly sort of relaying to my supervisor, I felt as it was really confidential, really safe um, person to go to just to to talk about things. Um, that was on my mind um, and also um, if anyone listening to this is neurodiverse um, I know that uh, most universities now have uh, reasonable adjustments that they can yeah. um, speak to the, the a placement team about so they can really help um, support you with your different learning styles and allow you to um, yeah just allow you to have that extra extra sorry meet your needs um which is really important as well yeah there's lots of rat about isn't there and I think some of them we know about but some of them you know like I said about the reasonable adjustments it's whether we you know we we know about them and know whether to tap into them or not and um, so it sounds like there's a lot a lot there to get involved in yeah and even if people don't actually know that they are neurodiverse during placement if you do think that actually I struggle with with this like I perhaps get um, overwhelmed very quickly then you know let your supervisor know let the university know and they can they could give you adjustments like giving you extra time um, to gather information for a patient or um, allow you to have a five minutes here and there to take a step out of the ward and come back and just have that break um, that for me was just so important to refocus my mind and yeah to not get too overwhelmed yeah I think what you said as well is about you know having that confidence to speak up and um, that's something that can make or break probably your experience in terms of you you know looking after your well-being and, and getting the most out of placement yeah definitely and just yeah just knowing that there is there's always support around you um even if it doesn't feel like it's near it definitely yeah there is always someone to go to and um anything that's on your mind yeah the more you sort of suppress it the more it kind of bubbles up and builds up and it will eventually come out in, in one way or another so it's better to to ask you know in the in the beginning weeks for sure yeah I think it's that pre-placement preparation you get at uni as well would you mm -hmm. say that's quite an important time to to get to know what supports out there so you've just got a bank of I suppose phone numbers or emails or something yeah, to, to go um, from if you need them Mm -hmm. Yeah, so most like um, well, the module that I that I d uh, did at university, they um, yeah, again, they talked a lot about mental health, a lot about who to reach out to, um, so that really that really helps. Just have that in the back of our minds. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, that's really good and valuable advice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think that placement can positively impact your well-being too? 
Yeah, so I feel as though, I, yeah, it, it does seem as though I've had a really negative experience, but actually second time round when I redid my placement, I had the most incredible 12 weeks. I mean, the the team that I had, um, yeah, the, the team of dietitians were so supportive, so empowering with their feedback. And they they really wanted me to thrive. They wanted me to have so many opportunities um, and even really random ones that I I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Like I was even able to um, do like a go around to different wards with a trolley of snacks and promote Falls Awareness Week. And that was something that I would have normally been like, what, what? Like I don't I don't even know these people in these different wards. And I just threw myself into it. Um, and I just thought, yeah, let's do it. And um, I've only got 12 weeks here. So yeah, it really can boost your confidence in so many ways and you can discover so much about yourself your learning style your um the way you communicate with different personalities because yeah we're met with patients that have all kinds of different personalities and quirks so yeah we're able to to sort of adapt um to to different types of people um, and just that feeling of purpose as well when you have a really positive feedback from a from a patient um, like yeah, when I, when my first patient said that they felt comfortable talking to me, it was such a heartwarming feeling. Um, it just makes you feel so fulfilled, and we all want to have a purpose. And it yeah, we can really find our purpose on placement. Yeah, and it sounds like if you take those opportunities and you know and, and tap into that that surroundings and and take in what's what's around you and and take give yourself time to get used mm-hmm. to things, that's that it actually can be really positive for you. Yeah, for sure it can be <laughs> um so you've actually since redone your b placement um you spoke a little bit about it there but is there anything that you did differently to protect your well-being this time around mm-hmm. yeah for sure so um i i mentioned earlier that i i put a lot of pressure on myself first time round on placement but but second time round, i literally put zero pressure on myself i thought every day was a clean sheet um, I will you know, not have any crazy expectations of myself, just throw myself into things, see how it goes, not anticipate, you know, constantly what's what's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, that putting zero pressure on myself every time I just stepped into a consultation um, just meant that I was, yeah, I was able to go in with a clear mind and um, I was able to receive feedback in a in a much um, in a much clearer way. I was able to take on feedback yeah. in a much clearer way as well. Um, yeah, as I said before, I really threw myself into any opportunity that I had coming my way. Um, and yeah, uh, even um, being able to embrace feedback. I know it's really hard as a student because we are given positives and also things to work on. And it's very easy to take it personally. I know what it's like to, for it to really hurt. Um, but actually think about what is said and not how it was said. And yeah. I, I I um, made sure to do that um, second time round. And feedback is so valuable. I mean, we are, we're only going to be a student on placement, you know, hand, a few times. And being able to receive that feedback is so important because when you're a dietitian, you're, you're likely going to have other dietitians watching you in, in a clinic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this time is really gold. Um, as I said before, I mean, self-care thing, we've, we've talked about it a few times. Yeah. That was something that was my priority as well. And um, just being able to, I felt as though I was much more authentic and I was really trying, I was really just being myself and I was, you know, okay with um, with my mistakes. And um, I really, yeah, just tried to, tried to still have my sense of humor, not be a robot um, because I, I can feel like we are a robot. We have to meet mm-hmm. all these learning outcomes and just, just being, just being able to, um, have a nice conversation with the um, with the team and yeah just just being yourself it just made a massive massive difference and being okay to say I don't know I need help um, mm-hmm. something that that's a big one isn't it people exactly. think oh god I don't, I don't know when that nice guidance was published or something yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah that's a big one isn't it mm-hmm. and yeah just being able to em- embrace our, our our flaws and um what yeah again just the things we don't know because actually I I learn the best or most of us learn the best when we are um when we are um sort of asking other people about how would you do things and um 
Yeah, I think it's really, really important to just say, be honest, just say you don't know, I need help. Um, and yeah, learn, learn the best that way. They've been in your situation before, haven't they? All dietitians, they've been on placement. So it's probably going to have been a time or a few times where they've had to ask for help. So it's not, they're not complete strangers to it. So I don't, I, we, I feel like we, we go in, don't we? And we think, oh, oh, they're not, they're not going to be impressed if I ask this question. And actually they've probably asked the same question um, to remember that they are human as well. Yeah, exactly. And then a lot of them will even thank you for saying, actually, you don't know when to, to go back and say, oh, can could you speak to my supervisor? I'm not sure about this condition. And they really respect you for, for doing that. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit way of that sort of building that relationship, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So finally, final question, if there was one last piece of advice you could give to our listeners before they go out on placement, what would it be? So definitely it'd be there is no one route to becoming a dietitian. You might have your own little ways of going, um, your own little, your, your own journeys. Um, and it's okay to take time out to have an extra few weeks um, because at the end of it, you are going to become a much, you know, a much stronger dietitian at the end of it. I know if I didn't take a gap year, I wouldn't be as much of an empathetic um, and resilient um, person and hopefully I'll bring those skills as well when I qualify so um, yeah definitely I'm really really um, eager to, to share that there is actually so many different routes um, to, to get into our same goal and it's okay if your way takes longer um, just embrace that and um, yeah just not comparing your journey to others is so important yeah thank you for that um Zanira, thank you so much for an honest and truly helpful discussion about well-being on placement. There's no denying, is there, that placement is challenging. Um, but what I've really learned from you today is that there's so much support out there and that so many little things that we can do to make sure that we look after ourselves during this time. So mm. thank you so much for being our guest today. Oh, it's okay. I've had a good chat. Yeah, it's been good. It's, we've got got through a lot and talked about a lot of important stuff, haven't we? Mm-hmm. We have. So if you would like to access some of the support mentioned today, do look in the show notes where you'll find links to online resources, including Zunera's BDA blog post. I hope you find them helpful. For some helpful information now, though, I will pass you over to Meg for some info to go. Thanks, Neve. Hi, everyone, and welcome to info to go I'm Meg. And in this bite-sized segment, I aim to engage with you, our listeners and fellow RD2Bs to share ideas, experiences and questions relating to all aspects of being a student dietitian. I'll also be sharing some tools and resources with you so that you can go on to further develop your knowledge after listening to the podcast and keep up with your continued professional development. In a previous episode, I asked you what you do to look after your mental health and manage stress when studying, on placement or during exam season. It was great to have so many responses from you to share this month and I've summarised some of your messages into six top tips. The first is get outside into the fresh air. Take yourself on a walk or just sit out in nature. It can be a great way to clear your head and get a break away from screens. The second tip is to make sure to take days off and plan in some me time. You can use this time to do things that you enjoy outside of dietetics. This might be reading a non-academic book, cooking your favorite meal, having a relaxing bath, exercising, or just watching a movie. The third tip is to see your friends and family. Whether it's giving them a call or meeting up with them for a coffee, try to surround yourself with people that make you happy and can support you if you're struggling. The fourth tip is to make sure you're getting enough sleep. Although it may seem obvious, try not to sacrifice your sleep in order to meet deadlines. The fifth tip is don't be afraid to ask help for help. Whether it's from peers, lecturers or supervisors, there are always people that can support you and help talk through things that are stressing you out. I know for me, sometimes just talking through a problem can make it suddenly seem so much better. And the final tip is to try not to compare yourself with your peers. Everyone is going to have different strengths and areas to focus on, so try to focus on your own progress journey instead of others. Those are some really great tips, so thank you so much to everyone who messaged in. 
I definitely know that I will be using some of those tips when I'm on placement or in a stressful situation in the future. As I've already mentioned, university can be a challenging time for anyone, but it may be made even more challenging if you're living far away from home or in a whole new country. That's why for this month's listener question, I would like to ask any international students and RD2Bs what your experience has been like. This might be what you, what do you love most about being an international student? What, what made you decide to study in the UK? And have you faced any additional challenges being an international student and how have you had to overcome them? I will be anonymously sharing your responses in a future episode of the podcast. So it would be great if you could share your experiences as an international student with me by emailing newultrapodcast at hrscommunications.com or you can send us a DM on the New Ultra Instagram page. This month's follow recommendations. I'd like to start with today's guest, Zanera, who you can find at Asian underscore, underscore student, dietetic student. The next recommendation is Vanessa, who you can find at langill.nutrition. Vanessa is a Canadian mental health dietitian, and she discusses the links between, between food and mood on her page. On Twitter, I'd love to recommend Dorothy, who you can find at dotty underscore rd. She regularly shares insights into workplace culture and mental health, and she was also a guest on the Main Dietitian Cafe podcast, alongside Karen, you can find at Karen underscore Chapman on Twitter, and Holly Monday Jones. I'll link the episode in the show notes if you'd like to give that a listen as well. For this month's CPD opportunities, if mental health is an area that you would like to learn more about, then the government offer free online courses that you can take to help develop your skills to support those around you, and it provides you with a qualification at the end. These courses are for, available for anyone to do as they aren't dietetic specific. So I will share the link to the mental health courses website in the show notes for anyone that may be interested. They run courses in mental health awareness, suicide prevention, counselling skills, and much more. And it's all funded by the UK Government Education and Skills Funding Agency. So it's definitely worth checking out. It's also important to remember that developing your skills may not always be about academic learning. Taking time look, to look after yourself and do things that you enjoy are equally as important and giving yourself time to relax and forget about work may, or, may allow you to be more focused and effective in the long run. So why not create time to do some things that I mentioned at the start of the segment as a great place to start. Additionally, having something like a daily meditation may be a great place to start too. This may help you to focus and develop your own mindfulness, even if it's only for a few minutes a day. I would really recommend the apps Headspace and Calm for this, but you can also find videos on YouTube or Spotify that guide you through meditations and you can make them as long or as short as you have time for. Some important dates that are coming up in the next month. But from the 27th of February to the 5th of March, it's Eating Disorder Awareness Week. Beat's website is a great resource for you to learn about different eating disorders, finding out what support there is available, and they share stories from people with first-hand experiences, which you can which can give you insights into perspectives of those living with eating disorders and the challenges, challenges that they face. Beat do some incredible work to raise awareness of and support those with eating, disorder, eating disorders. So please check out their websites if you'd like to get involved in the Awareness Week. One of Beat's dietetic clinical advisors, Sarah Fuller, was also recently on an episode of the main New Ultra podcast. So I will link that episode in the show notes too if you'd like to give that a listen as part of that awareness week from the 13th to the 19th of march it's nutrition and hydration week this is a big week on the dietetics calendar and the aim of this week is to raise awareness of and educate people on the value of adequate adequate food and nutrition in health and social care on their website they have lots of downloadable resources that you can use they share ways that people have gotten involved previously to inspire you to promote Nutrition and Hydration Week and even have some online CPD modules that you can complete to show that you've got involved. On the Wednesday of that week, 
they also host a global tea party where they encourage everyone to take part in the Nutrition and Hydration Week to host the tea party to support and raise awareness of it. It's a great week to get involved in and if your university isn't already doing something then this may be a great opportunity for you to set something up yourself. For more information about anything that I've mentioned today please check out the show notes. If you know of any exciting CPD opportunities for students that are coming up or are getting involved in any of the activities or awareness days that I've mentioned, then I would love to hear from you and you can drop me an email at newultrapodcast at hrscommunications.com. And that is all the info to go for today's episode. So I'll hand back over to Neve in the main cafe. Thanks for sharing that with us, Meg. It's great to see that the dietetic community is such a supportive one. I would like to say a huge thank you once again to New Outra for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Dietitian Cafe RD2B podcast, consider subscribing and leaving a review or five-star rating so that we can reach even more RD2Bs. You can also follow New Outra on social media, at New Outra across all platforms to keep up to date with the podcast and to hear the latest updates on medical nutrition. Thank you for listening and our next episode will be out soon. 